The Marlins' offense is finding ways to string wins together and string big innings together. But we need to talk about Jazz Chisholm's K-rate. We need to talk about Jesus Sanchez's batting average, K-rate maybe. We also need to talk about Brian De La Cruz, who's absolutely trending, no doubt about it. The offense looks better. It's coming together. There's still a few warning signs. I'm going to dig into all of those today on Locked on Marlins with Sean Barrett again for the Tuesday episode. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at MiamiMarlins underscore UK. If you are listening, hit subscribe to the pod. It's your team every single day. And hello to all of the everydayers as well. Yes, sir. As I mentioned, if you are an everydayer and you are grinding through these, not grinding, that's the wrong word. If you are enjoying all of these episodes on a daily basis, then please do comment on YouTube. Locked On Marlins, hit subscribe there too. Give us a thumbs up, whatever it might be. Um, Sean Barrett is back in the house. This is almost a doubleheader. I'm not going to lie. It's almost doubleheader vibes where there's just so much to get into from over the weekend and looking ahead that we had to hit two episodes. So this will be Tuesday's episode, but in UK time. This may be Eastern time still on Monday. So for those listening in the US, which based on the stats I see is probably 90% of people listening to this pod, you've now had a doubleheader on a Monday. So, nevertheless, Sean Barrett back in the house. We're in the same clothes as yesterday's episode, but it's all good. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. I was going to refer to it being a doubleheader as well. Uh, it's always nice to to play two with you. Yeah, no doubt, mate. We just—it's just impossible. Like what we've realised is there's no way to cover a whole weekend of Marlins action in 25 minutes. It's impossible, and so we've decided. We're just going to have to skin it up a little bit and split it up, and doubleheaders seem to be the best way. Um, nevertheless, there's a different sponsor, though, and it's our good friends over at HelloFresh, and those that are listening know this one is close to my heart. I have been using HelloFresh for probably six years now. Um, God knows how many boxes that is, but it's a lot. Anyway, skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. It's probably the UK as well. Go to HelloFresh.com slash uh, MLB 60, use promo code MLB 60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Boy, oh boy, 60% off. I want to be using that code as well. Um, Sean, we, we want to talk about the offense. Yesterday, we spent a ton of time on the bullpen, the rotation. I want to start with the offense. There's a little bit of bullpen at the back end, but um, the overall, this offense, I would say, is is playing as I expected it to in many ways thus far. Like it looks and feels a little bit better than last year. It's built differently, which is the first thing to say. Um, and also, the depth guys are contributing as well. I think that's a major factor here for this Marlins offense thus far is like the bench bats, when they're given opportunities, are actually stepping up. What I'm talking about there is we you know, saw, saw a Garrett Hampson home run, Guriel's hitting 300. Like, there's bench bats that are stepping up here, no doubt. But overall, this, this is a type of offense that seems to be built around trying to piece together hit after hit after hit with a few walks sprinkled in there and trying to really accumulate some runs. Ideally, they walk into a home run as well, mate. But, you know, 500 club right now, 
How are you feeling about this offense more generally? Is there positive vibes in Sean Barrett's head at this point? <laughs> I don't think that's ever the case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the offense is the offense is, as you said, it's been what we kind of expected it to be. You know, yeah. you never expect ever when you look at a guy and you go, "This is his, is it upside? This is what we hope happens." You don't get that one to nine every year, no. um, and you don't get it consistently. So it is a case of piecing it together. You know, Arias has, has been a stud. Coop's yeah. hitting well. So Lair, you know, the average isn't there, but the power is, and that's that's kind of what he is. That's what the Marlins bought when they signed him to a contract. De La Cruz, who I think I preferred as a bench outfielder, you know, play all three positions, but actually is slowly but surely earning himself a starting lineup. It is a case of this is an exciting lineup. I do want to just take one thing about Hampson. <laughs> yes, he got that home run. Yes, he got a key hit. He's hitting 160. So let's not get too excited about him just right now. No. But no, on the whole, the offense is the, is the way it was built, what I expected it to do. At the moment, it's kind of it's doing its job. Um, and yeah, the Marlins at 500 is exactly where I've been asking them to be for years, and then you know look to make moves. I mean, yeah. we were <laughs> we were one and whatever early in the season. We were three and seven at one point, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of um, joking, I think, polls of will the Marlins ever get back to 500? Yeah. And here we are at 500. So I mean. Mines are right where they need to be. The offense is is doing mostly its job. There's a few walks here and there, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But on the whole, yeah, you're not going into a game dreading a a two nil loss like we did pretty much every night <laughs> last year. Hundred percent. Like this just feels it feels so different. It, it feels like there's you know more chance of more competitive at bats up and down up and down the lineup. It's just just my sense of it at this point. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. Like, clearly there's there's times in games where it's slow and quiet and whatever, but more often than not, recently anyway, the Marlins are finding ways to actually have one decent inning in the game. And maybe that's all they have is a single inning where they can piece it together and get three or four runs. I think we saw a five spot the other day. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm calling it the paper cut inning. That's kind of where it ends up, where they kind of like, it feels like it's going, it's a cold night. Next thing is, walk hit hit by pitch couple of hits next thing is boom three runs down and you know actually they've walked into a couple of homers too which has been nice um let's though you know that there, there are some bright spots we've talked about we talked about him last week in Luis Arias so we know what we know there and he's an absolute stud hurt his finger and it's definitely impacted him in the last couple of games I'd say he's had his like you know toughest stretch in the last you know two two games but clearly the finger is bothering him because he was at the lineup so you know we'll hope that he gets that right. But really, what we saw was Jazz Chisholm sliding to the top of the automate. So I'd really like to talk about Jazz. Uh, and, you know, really, it's been, in the last week, I'd say, it looks like it's been a real struggle for Jazz uh, overall. The K rate is just skyrocketing. Like, a lot of at-bats look pretty similar with Jazz at the moment. This isn't... I'm, I'm not here trying to slander Jazz and just blow him up and say he's terrible. And I must say, in, in the first at-bat yesterday which is the Sunday game against Zach Gallen. It was great to see Jazz heading off against Zach Gallen, by the way. You know, that's forever going to have, you know, be a, a, a matchup that we all look to and enjoy. Zach Gallen struck him out on what I think to be the perfect pitch. It was absolutely sensational. Change up, 86, right at the corner 
spot of the outside part of the plate. It was perfection from Gallon. So one of them for Jazz, you just go, hey, it is what it is, um, you know, and, and you're out of there. But we can't, we can't ignore the fact you're striking out 40% of the time, Sean. That to me is that's unsustainable for Jazz, I think. Um the con- where's the concern level at this point for you with uh, Jazz in the leadoff spot and with this K rate? Yeah, I mean it is a case of when he first moved to the 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 leadoff spot, he was getting hits and he was he seemed to be enjoying it a bit more. This this coming, I think the day after him saying on Twitter, I'm not a, a cleanup hitter. Yeah, and, and it was it was going reasonably well. And he's still getting a knock here and a knock there, but yeah, the last four games, ten strikeouts. Mm. It's as you said, it's unsustainable. Um, in the leadoff spot as well. I mean, I can talk to him blue in the face about your leadoff guy needing to yeah. get on base, a strikeout guy. Because um, Jazz is, a, he's always going to be a strikeout guy. Yeah. You hope that it's going to be closer to 25% rather than 33%. At the moment, it's 40%. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't be putting that in your leadoff spot because... No. I who, would you have, who would you have leading off, Sean? Just sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but... Still Elias. All right, yeah, okay, still, you stick I with him still there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, personally, okay, um, and I think Dela Cruz hitting as he's currently hitting gives you that little bit of you can put him in the middle of the lineup by moving the Arias out. I think you could quite easily do um, the one-two-three punch of Arias Coop, um, maybe Jazz, maybe Solaire. Um, but yeah. at the moment, if he continues to strike out, I think you're you're thinking about putting Solaire. You're thinking about putting Dela Cruz in front of him in the lineup um, and having him at fifth or sixth. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the way they play. I like I, I loved it. And obviously we spoke about it last week that I, I love Jazz in that spot. I think it just unlocks his speed. But clearly like if he's striking out pretty much every uh, plate appearance, then yeah, there's there's no speed to think of. And some of it has been like you know, there's just some really nice pitches. Like it, it's clear that you know where to target Jazz right now too. Like there's an obvious that, I mean, it's a tough part of the zone anyway to go after for a hitter, but that kind of bottom corner, uh, outside bottom corner for Jazz, like the umpires give it plenty of room, but, you know, pitchers know where to go, right? It's the same what we've seen in, in many ways with Jesus Sanchez, and, you know, maybe we'll transition to Jesus here as well. Um, you know, with Jesus, like that hole in his swing was discovered early last year, and as soon as it was discovered... That was it. It was just up in the zone gas, and you could just never catch up with it. You never could. I don't think it, you... I mean, with, the, with the evolution of, of analytics, you know, you've got all those numbers. I mean, I've got all those numbers in front of me. Yeah. Like, so you put that in front of your opposition with, yeah. with, with brighter minds. It's, it's incredible what they can do. And, and the pitchers now are at that point where they can needle that spot consistently. Yeah. Paper cuts um, and, in reverse, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, a guy if a guy can't fix that hole, yeah, um, or at least close it to the degree where they can't just keep throwing it there, then you know, they're going to keep doing it, and you could, they're going to keep struggling. You have to. Baseball is a game of adjustments. Yeah. You adjust from pitch to pitch, back to back, game to game, series to series, and if you don't make those changes, then yeah, that's that's what the greats do. We talked about Sandy um, yesterday. And how he continues to work and work and work to progress to to stay at that level. You mm. don't make those adjustments. You go down. You don't. You don't stay where you are. You go down because if you don't make the adjustment, you know the opposition are making those adjustments yeah. against you. And um, yeah, Jazz Jazz is young. He's raw. 
it's got all the talent in the world, but that only gets you so far. You need to make those adjustments. You need to you need to learn as, as you go uh, and fix those those issues that you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, and like I'm really intrigued to see the way it plays out. Like the, you know that that specific area that the guys are targeting, and, and like I said, I, I do think some of this also links to the fact that he's frustrated with the umpire, and he's been frustrated with the umpire in since he's been in Major League Baseball. Like this has been a theme for multiple years now. That outside corner. Fundamentally, the umpire can't see, I don't think, because they're standing to the right shoulder of the catcher. They're looking over and they're looking like that part of the plate is actually a little bit hidden at times. And so I, I do feel like half the time they're just, you know, they're guessing. And I mean, it's a tough job. It's a real tough job. But I think Jazz is, you know, he's, he's frustrated with that, with some of the, a lot of the calls he gets out there. Um, and he's trying not to, expand too much because as soon as you do that that kind of snowballs as well i i mean just to your point i'm wondering i'm excited to see what adjustments he makes do you start seeing it like you know just a couple more bunts or something do you start seeing just a bit more opposite fields you know whatever it's going to be really interesting to see the way jazz can adjust because like you said four games with 10ks you know with i think a bunt in there and maybe one one other hit you know that's not optimal but we'll wait to see Talk to me about Jesus Sanchez, though, mate, because it's fair to say Craig Mish is like, he's talking about Jesus Sanchez quite a lot at the moment. And that always says to me that the Marlins are thinking about Jesus Sanchez a lot. And, you know, he's hitting under 100 thus far. It's looked a lot like 2022 Jesus Sanchez, in all honesty. Through spring, it looked okay, but he hasn't been able to carry it through. The walks are kind of okay, but it feels like the clock is ticking here on Jesus Sanchez and we're approaching a DFA situation. I don't know. What about you? I mean, I don't think you'll ever end up in a DFA situation. I think there's enough talent. I think there's enough control. I think there'll be a, a, a middling to small trade um, for him. But yeah, no, as you said, it's been a case of it's been it's been similar to what we've always seen. And I, early doors, I saw some at bats, and you know he was shuffling and he was doing his thing. Yeah, um, and he was seeing pitches well, and and I kept seeing his at bats and thinking it's not too bad. It's okay. We can work with this. He looked. Like he knew what he was doing, he looked like he was trying, and then you looked at the stats, and then they they carried on being bad, and they got to the point where yeah, it is a case of the Marlins in a, in a similar vein with Avi. Obviously, that's a completely different financial situation. Mm-hmm. It is a case of as long as the Marlins are at five hundred, and I think they will be for a while. How long do they put up with that? Because the longer you put up with it, the more you're putting pressure on the rest of the team to deliver to keep you, you know, keep you close to that wild card spot. Mm-hmm. And I think the closer we get to it, the the quicker they're going to make that move. And and with Avi, I think that could happen as well later in the season because of the money. It's mm-hmm. going to get to a point where you're seeing a team that has a chance to be competitive late into a season, mm-hmm. and they're going to make moves that f- they're going to have to force their hand into making moves to to take non-competitive guys out of the lineup. Yeah. And I don't think for me, I don't think Jesus um sticks with the organization if they do that. It no. is a case of we've been here, we've done that, you know, how many times can you send a guy down, let him break at AAA and then come back up. No, I like I like Jesus. I think he's a fun character. Um he's goofy as all hell. But yeah. I think his next opportunity at the major leagues if if this doesn't work out here now, could be with a different organization. 
I tend to agree. And I think that the point that Craig's making is that the man is just crying out for some lefty sticks. Um, you know, they don't have a ton of them uh, in, in general. Obviously, you know, Wendell's down as well at the moment. Not to say when Wendell's a, you know, a power lefty or anything, but, you know, they, they just don't have a ton of lefty guys in there at all when they're primarily facing right-handed pitchers most most days. So they need that stick. They need the lefty guy and they need someone they can trust. And right now, like the the trust levels are likely low with Jesus. It's going to be really interesting to see the way it plays out. And it's to your point, I'm really intrigued if they, you know, if they go searching for you know a small scale trade, you know, right now, or you know, do they look to promote someone from AAA? But whilst guys in AAA are hitting, uh, most of them are hitting. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm still not sure. I, I feel there's other opportunities outside of the organization they may be exploring at this point too. So, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. It's an intriguing situation, but overall with Jesus Sanchez, you know, the power's in his hands. It's been in his hands in 2022. You know, we had a few mental blips, you know, 2023, no options, like pressure's on, um, makes the roster. I, I don't think he would have made the roster personally if he had options. I, I, I feel like gut feel is he would have been sent down, but I don't know. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's underwhelming. And so the Marlins have got another call to make here. Avicel Garcia, we don't know where he's at. He obviously got hit on the wrist yesterday. X-rays were clear. So sounds like maybe a couple of days out. Um, but again, to your point with Avi, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how long, if he is the anchor, as in it's not anchor in a good way, <laughs> it's like dragging the team by anchoring it down. You know, how how quickly are to make a move on that. But one other guy I want to talk to you about is uh, Mean Gene Segura. Uh, but before we do that, I want to let you know about our good friends over at So Rare. Uh, mentioned these boys yesterday, and I absolutely love it. It's all over Twitter if you've seen it. Tons of people sharing their, their cards and their teams, which is great. Um, and it's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across every single Major League Baseball team. Uh, unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards. There's no cost to play. <sighs> Sensational. Um, the game weeks, are uh, it's twice weekly with a span of a three to four day cycle. At the end of the game weeks, uh, so rare managers who rank at the top or near top of the leaderboards win a variety of rewards which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and that Avicel Garcia VIP experience. Uh, prizes may vary depending on the competition. Someone may shout at me at some point for this copy read. It may be. <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly flexing it. Not sure if that is false advertising. Nevertheless, head to SoRare.com slash locked on. Uh, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com. SoRare.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards again and the reminder of this link this website this url that's the right language so rare.com slash locked on start playing today all right sean barrett when i go to fan graphs right now and i sort the marlins hitters by wrc plus weighted runs created plus and i sort them in ascending order if that's the right way of phrasing it lowest first <laughs> Gene Segura pops up pretty quick. WRC plus right now of 16. 16 for Mean Gene Segura. However, there have been some signs of improvement, I would say, with Mean Gene. 
some hard hit balls yesterday. Any concerns thus far with Mean Gene, or are you just is it just bad luck at this point? I've, I've created a monster, haven't I? I've got you going and sorting WRC plus on Fangraphs. What's going on? What is going on? <laughs> um, I think when you, when we talk about the concerns with with Avi and Jesus, they're they're long standing. They are they're the images that we've seen from from two years, and not just because Segura's new in the Marlins jersey, but because this is this is not what we saw from him last year. Um, I think it is a case of he'll get a longer leash. The defence over at third has been okay. I think at the moment there isn't a, there isn't a viable option uh, inside the organisation. The, the, the team are going to make that move. I think I think they still want to see Groshans get a bit of time in the minors, and I think it would, I think it'd be too early for the team to make that move. If you look at his uh, BABIP, he has he has got unlucky. Um, I don't think the at bats the at bats to begin the season were they, they looked pretty bad. It wasn't just that he was getting bad luck. He they didn't look competitive. Yeah. Um, so the the knocks that he's had the last couple of days, kind of <laughs> two hits in two games, mm-hmm. is it's hardly that much to get yourself excited about. But it is a case of the the season's long, and and if this is if this cold spell that he's had was in the middle of July, we wouldn't be talking about it. It's only because it's the beginning of the season, and you know. You, your numbers up there on the scoreboard, and it's reading out one something. Yeah, it, it looks it looks dreadful. Um, so yeah, I think we should give him time, give yeah. him give him an opportunity to to prove that he is still the person he was. He, he is older, and and obviously we're not expecting prime Segura, but yeah, yeah, you know, if he can hit a, a relatively empty two seventy, play decent defense, I think the way the Marlins are constructed. He is going to be their number six, seven hitter. Yeah, they don't. They don't need a, a leadoff guy. They don't need a, a middle of the order bat. They just need a guy that can come up with timely hits from here and there. When you're hitting two seventy yep. in the sixth or seventh slot, there's usually going to be a guy on base. You know, more often than not, in front of you. Although this is Marlins, mm-hmm. and and you know that that means that those knocks can be you know can knock in RBIs if he can knock in. 55 60 RBIs in that hole then you know that's that's what that's what the Marlins probably look at as, as his ceiling and you'd certainly take it yeah for sure mate I think you've you've hit the nail on with Segura I think like he's found his role he's found his spot in the lineup like it's going to be at that 6 7 um, range he's going to be playing third base the majority of the time we saw it the other day to your point as well like Avicel Garcia double and then a big RBI single from Gene Segura to get Avi in. I mean, uh, it was just, you know, it's it's a Kim Ang masterclass there, no doubt. I mean, Avi honors a double, then Segura brings him home. Love to see it. Talked about the catching situation because this is one of the wildest situations I've seen. Firstly, Nick Fortes um, is just cruising along here with not a lot of success, and it's kind of going under the radar a touch. Primarily because Jacob Stallings gets you know slandered every time he's out there. I must say, and I've been watching all the games like you have, Stallings has always looked like he's about to break out. Like I've had the feeling that like there's something coming here with Stallings, or potentially. And then there was something in Twitter on Twitter earlier on. I think I think you commented on it, so you'd have seen it too. Jacob Stallings is the major league leader in average exit velo, correct? You are correct, and and um, all the anti-analytics people out there right now are saying, "See, 
it means nothing. Um, the exit <laughs> what was the launch was, angle? Yeah, launch angle was 3.4, I think it was. Mm. It, if you hit the ball hard on the ground, you've got four defenders, including the pitcher, you've got like, you've got four defenders stood yeah. right in front of you. Um, they're going to gobble that up every day. Um, yeah. Just a little bit of launch angle on top of that, knock it over that infield. He could be, he could become an offensive threat, but I don't actually foresee that happening. No, the, <laughs> the Marlins have got a supposedly defensive only catcher who at the moment isn't actually doing well with the defense. Um, mm. And Fortes is a young backup catcher um, with with power potential. At the moment, there are both empty spots in the lineup, but you could look at twenty five other teams in the league. And see two empty spots in the lineup from their catches as well. So, yeah, it is what it is. It is. I want to put it on record right now on Monday or Tuesday, the 17th or 18th of April, depending on when this episode is and which time zone you're in. I want to put it on record that I am bullish about the Marlins catching situation. I think there's a Stallings breakout in there, like what I've seen. I also know that Nicky Fortes um, is a stud and he's going to. Have a nice year as well. I think it's it's in there where I, I don't think we'll be saying that this is an empty spot in the lineup. Overall, it is right now. But I, I feel like there's more to come. A bit like with Gene Segura, I feel there's more to come. I feel like Jacob Stallings, like I just, I can see it. I can see it. And Nick Fortes, we have seen it. But he's just kind of cruising under the radar a touch of the moment with a lack of production. Um, maybe we're getting... Maybe with Nick Fortes, what's happening is he's catching Jesus Lozado most games. And so we're getting like good vibes about Nick Fortes because he's part of these Jesus Lozado masterclasses. Jesus Lozado going this evening against the Giants. The Giants uh, are in town. They've had a bit of plans. Their game ended up being called off after they sat around for hours. Then their plane was diverted around a storm that was happening in South Florida. Um, so... They may be kind of travel hungover, let's say. They just got, in theory, swept on the road by the Tigers. It was a two-game series in the end. Um, however, the pitching matchups, they line up pretty well for the Giants. They're bringing their strength in here. But, you know, I, this is an interesting series for the Fish right now, in my opinion, where I feel like if they play well, then this is, again, another series that's there for the taking right now. But they do need to play well. And we know with the Giants, they love a platoon. They love a matchup kind of game. A little bit like how the Diamondbacks play too. So this could go, you know, one of either ways. I'm I'm feeling optimistic though, Sean, to be honest with you, heading into this series that the Marlins could piece their third series win together uh, on the bounce. What about you? I mean, I, for me, I think a lot of it will come down to the pitching. Mm. You know, we are facing their one, two, three. They've got good pitching. But the Marlins, two, three, four, have been pitching well, in their last appearance, were pitched really well. Yeah. I think you're right with the Giants in the sense of they are one of those what I'd call smarter teams. They look at the, the, the game more analytically than the others. Um, and yeah, they, this is again going to be another interesting competitive yeah. uh, series against a a team that have playoff aspirations. And it's, yeah. a, it's another st- stern test when we talk in spring about the idea that this first month is is a bit of a you know a death row of, of, of opponents. It is. So far the Marlins have, have, have played them at a high level and uh, float you know, literally floating on five hundred and doing exactly what they need to do. If if they can continue 
to go 500 for the rest of the month through this hard set of teams, yep. then they really do set themselves up for, for a good year. Yeah, they do. If the Marlins come out of April 500, then they are really set to accelerate. Like it really does, you know, open up. There's a couple of series coming against the Bravos in the near term, which is going to be a big test. Um, what I'm going to say about the Giants series, whenever I watch the Marlins and Giants, and I've watched a ton of them in the past couple of seasons, um, they're always close games, always close, low scoring games. I'm going to put it there right now in the three game series. I think the total number of runs scored for both teams in those three games is under 15, under 15 runs total in the three games is what I'm going. I think it's going to be extremely low scoring, scrappy, but I think the Marlins, there's a way for them to eke out two wins here, um, all being well. Um, Sean, what about you? Any bold takes, any, any thoughts uh, heading into this series that you wanted to flag or, uh, or are we out of here? Uh, no, I've, I've, I'll always predict a Cooper home run. So there we go. I'll leave it with you. <laughs> Love it. Love to see it. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everyone uh, making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Maybe a second. It could have been, depending on uh, where you've listened to this at. Um, thanks to the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, as well, of course. Um, tomorrow, uh, which will probably be Wednesday's uh, episode, we're going to look back probably at the the, the last couple of games uh, that have actually taken place, dig out some of the key topics from that one. So I appreciate everyone for joining me today, uh, potentially for a doubleheader. Uh, and particularly the everydayers, uh, do comment on YouTube if you are an everyday. I'd love to hear from you and hear who is tuning in to Locked On Marlins truly daily. Love to see it, guys, and I'll be back very, very soon.